You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. Good morning, everybody. So glad you could be here. And I'm just, hey, good morning, everybody watching online. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My wife's staying at home today, so hey. I love you, lady. <laughs> Mark chapter one, the camera guys. Are, what the, Mark, Mark chapter one is where we're going today. So grab your Bibles if you would. If you're new to the Bible, open up right to the middle and we're gonna get started. Mark chapter one. We're gonna continue on with our thoughts called get in the game. Somebody say get in the game. I think God's got some special things he wants to speak to our hearts as we turn our attention to his word. Mark chapter one. Now, uh, I have to just say before we get started, um, I've got a limited amount of voice left, so I'm going to give you what I got, and then at some point I might just uh, call in a closer, and uh, we're going to see who finishes out the message. Could be me, could be Ben, hey, could be Carol, hey Carol, you ready? If I do this, if I say lefty, that's the, you're up, you just, you let the good Lord lead you. I'll give you what I got. Mark chapter one, get in the game. And so uh, if you don't know me, man, I'm a pastor's kid. And let me just tell you, uh, there was never a real call for me to, to get in the game of ministry. We didn't get, we didn't get a chance to volunteer. That's not a thing when you're a pastor's kid. You're voluntold. You, you're volunteered. Uh, it's you. Now, you, you never know what you're going to do from Sunday to Sunday. You might come and today you're going to be playing bass. Uh, could be you're going to be the chief amen person. Could be your day to give the courtesy drop when they're praying for you. Just, I don't know. <laughs> you could be a children's pastor, but you, you're going to serve somewhere. And so that, 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 that mindset of coming to church and, and just sitting and hearing a message or hearing some worship, that's foreign to me. We had no choice. It's, this is what we do. It's who we are. And so it's difficult for me to see uh, the, the status of the American version of Christianity where it's, let me come to church for, for entertainment value. Um, that, that, that's not in this, in this book. You, you don't really see that. And so that's a different version of Christianity. And so that's not the kind of church that we're, that we're um, looking to, to build. I don't feel like that's the biblical version of what God has called us to be. And so there needs to be a mindset of, I'm, I'm not here to go to church. I, I am the church and what God has given me, my, my heart is to, to give it away. I'm, I'm called to become who God has called me to be, amen? And so in Mark chapter one, uh, Jesus begins to put together his team. He begins to put together a squad. And so I want you to pick it up with me, if you would, in, in verse 16. And then we'll see how long the voice lasts. It says this, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come and follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. And without delay, he called them and they left their father Zebedee in a boat with the hired men and they just followed Jesus. Now, first of all, we gotta admit, uh, that's not a great sales pitch. Hey, come follow me. You know what? That sounds awesome. Let's do that. Uh, but it works, because we see that Jesus doesn't just speak in business language. He speaks to the heart of every person to become something more than what we are. He speaks to the heart 
of every single human being that recognize that there's, there's, there's something more than just going to work, something more than just having a marriage, something more than just a career. There's a calling. What does God want to do with my life? And when Jesus speaks these words, come and follow me, and I'm going to make you into something more than what we are, I think it's, it, it's speaking to each of us, that longing to become. I believe that Jesus still calls us to become more than what we are. Now, uh, some of us, we say, yeah, I, I, he has called me to become something more than what I was. But there's a new step for you. He's always calling you to become something more than what you are right now. There's always a process that he takes us through, a sanctification process and a maturity process, a usefulness process. And so as I was thinking about this story of Jesus calling his disciples, I, I couldn't help but get a, get a little bit of anxiety and think about the moments where I was, where I was picked. You ever been picked for a team and there's that, there's the, there's the cool version of picking kids for kids' sports where the teacher would say, hey, you're number one and you're number two. You're number one and you're number two. And then ones are gonna play versus number two. That's fair. But when they would, when they would say this, it'd give me anxiety. All right, who's gonna be team captain? You're like, oh man. I'm gonna be last to pick. It's gonna be me or the nose picker kid and they're gonna pick him and I'm gonna be insulted because I'm, uh, I'm not the most athletic type. I'm what you call indoorsy. I'm more of an intellectual critic. And I like sports, but it's like they're, they're gonna pick their friends and they're gonna pick the people with, you know, that are the tallest and the biggest and I'm just the brownest. And so you, you'd see, they'd start picking out their friends. Oh, and depending on what sport it was, would tell you kind of like how racist the school was. <clears throat> it's like, oh yeah, let's pick, you know, basketball. I'm like, I'm not getting picked. Like, come on guys, pick come on, I can, I can actually play this game. You ever heard of one-on-one? -on -one? No, one-on-one, -on -one. nobody? And then they're like, oh, we're, we're doing soccer today. And you're like, come on, man. Oh, we're picking you. Like, that's, that's, that's a little racist. I don't, I don't even like soccer. That doesn't make any sense to me. But think about the moments where you're, you're picking a team and the, the things that you would use to pick your squad, your friends, your the people that you think are the most athletic. And these are not, these are not the people that Jesus picked. Jesus doesn't start with, with what we would start with. As a matter of fact, Jesus' team that he, that he picks, it kind of looks like the Cowboys over the past few years. There's not a lot of first round draft picks. There's not. What? It's the truth. I'm a, I'm a fan. Hey, I'm a fan and a friend. Let me help you. It's going to be a disappointing season no matter how much you love them. It always is. It always is. So they say, you know, we want the Dallas Cowboys to be the pallbearers at your funeral so they can let you down one more time. Like, ha, 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 but it, it's kind of true. But when Jesus puts together this team, he chooses brothers two sets of brothers, and then he, he moves to the income tax collector guy. You're like, come on, man. If there's anybody that we should take a hard pass on, it's the tax collector. And then he moves to a terrorist. Simon the Zealot, like that, that's a terrorist. It's not, that's not a first round pick. It's like that, he's a little extreme for anybody's. 
Like he starts praying and gets loud and you're like, come on, we, we, we're not all in like that. But those are the people that Jesus uses to change the world. And he says, come follow me and I'm gonna make you into something more than what you are, more than what you settled for. What an amazing call. And I wonder what have we settled for? What could it be? What could God do with our lives if we weren't content to just settle for what is most comfortable to us? I wanna give you a couple things as we're uh, digging into God's word, things that I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to speak to you that would help you and encourage you, bless you, and then honestly to challenge you a little bit because he challenged me and I'm gonna challenge you. That's just the way that it works. And so here's the first thing that I see as we're looking at the call of God to get in the game, to get involved, to serve, to become, to do more than just sit and soak and sour. That's pretty good. I'm writing that down for third service. Sit, soak, and sour. That's third service, a bunch of sours. <laughs> don't, hey, don't say anything. They're not here. Snitches get stitches. You don't know that? So... <laughs> Here's point number one. If you're a note taker, you might want to write this down. Um, number one, the call to get in the game isn't something that we really want to answer. Because if we honestly did want to answer that, I believe we say we do. But when it comes down to actually doing it, no. That looks like uncomfortable. Looks like it's going to cost me something. It looks like it's going to be edgy. But if we honestly wanted to answer the call, we wouldn't make excuses, we'd clear excuses. But I find more often than not, when God is asking me to step into a new area of faith, a new area of ministry, a new place where he's gonna pull something out of me and, and ask something more of me, it's like, God, I, I don't have a lot of money right now or I don't have a lot of time or, you know, I, I'm, I'm getting old. I don't have a lot of energy. I don't have a lot of want to. And I'm, I'm kind of fat. That looks like work. I don't like sweat. Y'all seriously gonna sit here, look at me like that and act like I'm not saying exactly what you say sometimes? Come on. Oh, you want me to go serve? Like, mm, what's the weather like that day? That's outdoors. Mm, no, 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 no. I'm more of a, um, a, a pamphlet kind of person. I'll, I'll fold them. Let me do the folding of the pamphlets. We ain't got no pamphlets here. Because that's what everybody would do. Like, I'm just, I'm that kind of person. <laughs> but the call to get in the game isn't one that we really want to answer, if we're going to be honest. And uh, for those that are over the age of 40, you're going to know what I'm talking about. Those that are under, uh, you'll have no idea. But there actually used to be a period of time before caller ID. Shocking, I know. But there was a time where you had to take that gamble. That phone rings. Who is it? Is it Meemaw? Is it a long lost cousin? Is it a telemarketer? Is it Ed McMahon? We don't know. Is it the girlfriend you're trying to avoid? The person that you told you were dead? Who knows? We won't know. We won't know until you pick it up and actually answer it. But you couldn't just let it ring. It'd be like, oh man, it could be something important. It could be this, it could be that. I don't know, I gotta answer the call, I gotta answer the call. Now there's caller ID and it's like, mm-mm. <laughs> if somebody calls me, it's like, there better be something on fire, somebody better be dead, like call me, 
so retro. Text me. This, this isn't the 50s, right? Some of you actually call and you're like, are you okay? Did you accidentally dial my number? Is this an accident? But the call to, the call to get in the game, the call to, to become something more than what we are, if we're gonna be honest, it's not something that we actually want to answer. We don't really wanna get in the game. We, do, we say we wanna make a difference, but when it comes down to it, like, well, not today. I thought when I was <clears throat> in high school, my greatest uh, accomplishment would be what I could do on the baseball field. I really enjoyed baseball um, when it was comfortable. Uh, when it got hot, I'm like, this is dumb. This is real dumb. I and mean, it's just like a pitcher's duel, and they're just striking people out, and you're sitting there in the outfield. You're like, it's hot. This is dumb. And I realized, like, I didn't really want to get on the field. I just wanted to be in the team photo. Can we be honest today? Because I want to show that picture in the baseball uniform to girls and be like, see? I am on the team. Do you play? Like, I'm on the team. Well, where were you? I was, I was not there that game. It was hot. And uh, I watched it and supported. Uh, but I, I really would rather just be in the picture. And I recognize a lot of that still has become the way that I treat the call of the Lord. I want to pretend like I'm heavily involved. I want to pretend like I'm really making a difference. But when it comes down to actually doing it, that that looks like it it probably smells. I can't. I can't do smells. I I can't do Friday evenings. That's my only time to watch Friday night TV. Like, that's my show. And I could record it, but then I'd have to watch it later than all my friends. And then I, I don't look on social media and they already give me spoilers. Like, just, it ruins my whole week. I can't do that. We don't want to be uncomfortable. Am I just talking to myself today? Come on. The call to get in the game is not one that we actually want to answer. Or we'd give the Lord a lot more reasons than excuses. God, use somebody else. Jesus' half-brother James says this in chapter two. He says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if somebody claims to have faith but doesn't actually do anything with it? I want you to read that on the screen and let it sit with you like it sat with me when I was reading it this past week. I'm like, ouch. All right, I see you, Jimbo. I see, I see you, Jimmy. That's what I call him. It's, it's James. Nobody else? Seriously? This is second service. You've had coffee. Come on. The online people get it. I see thumbs up coming already. I'm like, I got it. James, Jimbo, it's, it's a thing. So... What good is it to have faith but not really have deeds? You know, and, and my job as a pastor, the, the, the hardest part of my job, honestly, is to convince God's people to do things that they don't want to do so that they'll thank you for it later. And you will thank me for it later. But I'm going to push you. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to pull you. I'm going to beg you, whatever it takes, to get you to become who God has called you to be. And to get you to a place where coming to church is not enough for you. Because you're not going to find that version of Christianity here. We are the church. It's not a building. It's a group of people who move forward in the purpose that God has called them to move forward into. You still with me? Is that okay? 
All right, we got to move faster. I don't have a lot of voice left. I'm go till I can't. Here's number two. Uh, God designed us to mature from spectators to players to coaches. And notice it's a maturity process. So this is where you're watching the game, you're learning about the game, you're practicing the game, then you actually get in the game, become good at the game, and then eventually you move into a place where you're teaching the game. But this is the process God walks his people through. Am I learning? Am I growing? Am I actually doing it? And am I showing somebody else how to do what I've been doing? Notice that Jesus calls them out of becoming fishermen to becoming fishers of men. And at the end of their career, they become teachings, teachers of fishing for people. Do you see it? Follow me, he says. And I'll take what you're, what you're paid to do and I'll tell you what you're made to do. You see, Jesus uses what you're paid to do to prepare you for what you're made to do. He takes the concept that they see every day, fishing, and he teaches them how to use that for redemptive purposes. As they mature, they walk into new areas of usefulness. So what you learn in one season, the Lord uses it to help somebody else in the next. That's called maturity. You are called to mature. You're supposed to mature physically and spiritually. Now, if you see somebody in diapers and they're two years old, that's normal. If you're 44, something went wrong, or you're really lazy and weird. That ain't normal. Now, if you're 90, that can be more normal. But there's sometimes there's people like this, I choose to. And that's weird. They will look you right in the face, go right to the bathroom, you're like, Meemaw, what are you doing? Like, you, you can go to the bathroom, like, yeah, it's just easier. Like, it's not, that's weird. You never had that happen? Hang around. Hang around. Look, look at you right in the face and be like, like a two-year-old kid, and you're like, you are grown. You're doing that because you want to. And it's hilarious until you watch that happen spiritually. Like, you're designed to mature. You're better than that. What are you doing? God called us to walk into seasons of maturity, to lay aside childish things, to grow up in our thinking, to become something more than what we've settled for. And to do it any other way is extremely weird and not biblical. But yet our American version of Christianity says, no, that's just you. That's the way you do it. You do Christianity the way you want to do Christianity. Like, that's not true. There's one way. It's his way, and it's pretty much set in stone. He knows how he wants it done, right? God calls us to maturity. So uh, look at this in 1 Corinthians 14. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. In your thinking, be mature. Now, most of this message, this scripture would just say, hey, you need to work on your maturity in this message. (laughs) But I'm not just gonna apply it to myself. I want you to think about that for a moment. Think about the maturity process that God has you in. I've been immature in my thinking most of my life. Actually, most of today. (laughs) But God is still calling me to become something more than what I am. As I mature, God's calling us to mature as a church. You still with me? So uh, let let me make sure that you see this. Uh, Being served 
and never serving is immaturity. Being served and never serving is immaturity. Jesus himself echoed that thought, set it in stone. He said, I didn't come here to, I came here to, it's, it's not about you, you serving me. It's, 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 I came here to, to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. You see, the call to Christianity was not a call to come and be served. It's a call to come and die. But that's not the gospel that we want preached anymore. We want to serve a God that just gives me, give me blessing, give me peace, give me healing, give me prosperity, give me joy. Can God give those things? Absolutely. But more than just giving you something, he's wanting to make something out of your life and to use you to help somebody else to get on the field, to become something more than what they are. You still with me? Here's the last point, and I'll close with this before my voice goes. That's just about it. Number three, we can't go back to spectating. This is the tendency after you've walked through years like 2020, after you've dealt with anxiety and stress. There are times where you're on the field, times where you're doing what God has called you to do, and then you get sidetracked, we get slammed, we walk through problem after problem and trial after trial. And then we want to go back to just, hey, just let me watch. Let somebody else do it for a while. But here's the thing. 40% of Christians did not come back to church. And 100% of the work is still yet to be done. That means it's going to be harder than it's ever been before. There's the good news for the day. Cool. Make bricks with no straw. (laughs) Sounds biblical. The work is still to be done. Jesus says, hey, man, the harvest is, is, is plenty, but the, the workers are few. Especially when the workers don't want to work anymore. Now, I'm talking to a church of people that have not only come back, but have, are fired up about becoming what God has called you to do. And I love that, that I can sit here and say with all of my heart, I am proud of this church. I'm proud of what we've accomplished. I'm proud of how far we've come. I, I, I'm incredibly proud of you. But we're not done. And just coming back to church is not what God has asked you to do. You got to become the church. You got to be willing to answer the call to get in the game. Whatever God has asked you of you. And I want to remind you of this. You can't go back. After God ruined Peter's life for anything else like fishing, Peter had become a fisher of men. When Peter denied Christ, he goes back out on that boat. He says, I'm going to go fish because I've let God down. I want to just go back to where I'm, I'm comfortable. The Bible says that he took seven of the disciples with him and they caught nothing, nothing. It ain't gonna pay off like it used to pay off. You can't go backwards in seasons. And by the way, there's no, there's no biblical concept of retirement. That's an American thing, by the way. It's not a biblical thing. God uses us until he takes us home, right? We're not guaranteed, this is not heaven here. That doesn't mean you can't have seasons of rest. It's not what I'm saying, that's important. But God never calls us to finish until the moment they put you in the ground and you go to receive your reward. We've got a job to do. We're here for a reason. There's a purpose to my day. I've just got to get in the game and I can't walk backwards. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself reminds us in Luke, he says, nobody who puts their hand to the plow and keeps looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. We're to look forward. God, what are you doing next? What would you have for me? As I was drawn to God's word, it reminded me of a powerful scripture in Proverbs 11 that tells me something important. 
It says, he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And I want you to notice the order that the Lord puts that scripture in. It does not say as soon as you get refreshed, you can go refresh others, does it? That's not what it says. Now, most of us would make that deal, Lord, as soon as you give me something, as soon as you bless me, then I'll become a blessing for somebody else. As soon as you bless my finances, then I'll honor you. That's not what it says. Come on, it's not what it says. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Lord, as I step out and do what you call me to do, you're gonna give me the strength to do it. You're gonna show me through the power of your Holy Spirit this is exactly what I'm called to do, and I find a refreshing that happens as I'm doing what you've asked of me in my life. We can't ever go back. We've got a job to do. And so as your pastor, I'm asking you to, to listen to the Holy Spirit and to say, Lord, whatever you'd ask me to do, my answer is yes, because I'm, I'm not here to just be entertained for a church. That's, that's not the kind of church this is. This is not a spectator church. This is a participator church. Come on. Let me ask you a couple things. If you've never been in a group, let this be the year where you get in a group. You'll say, you know what? I went to that group. There's not a single weird person there. Yes, because it's probably you. That's okay. We were all there at some point. If you've never been in a group, get in a group. It's good for you. If you've never given, give. If you've never allowed the Lord to be the Lord of your finances, if you're a person that's like, hey, I'm a tipper, not a tither. Hey, move from tipping to tithing this year. If you're a tither, move from tithing to generosity. One of the things the Lord has challenged me to do is to add a percentage to my giving every single year. We started at 10% of our gross income. That means giving to God the first and the best of every check before I pay a single bill, I honor the Lord with the first. And then every year we've added that one percentage to 11, to 12, to 13. We're now at 17% of our giving that my wife and I have agreed we want to become generous givers. Now, I'd love to give a lot more than that, but I got kids at home and they're expensive. Somebody say Amen but I'm doing the best I can with what the Lord has given me because I believe he's worth my time. He's worth honoring. He's worth giving anything that he asks of me. I wanna be a part of what he's doing. I never wanna let money be something that keeps me from the Lord having my whole heart. Amen? And I'm not gonna ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do. If you've never been in a place where you've actually prayed for your church, let this be the year where you do that. If you've never served anybody else, let this be the year where you serve. But for God's sake, get off the sidelines. Step into some area of ministry. What are you asking of me? Let the Holy Spirit tell you what that is and then be obedient to do it. Maybe that's not here. That's okay. There are tons of ministries, tons of nonprofits, tons of powerful organizations across this city that are desperate for help. Come on. Not only did people not come back to church, they're not busy helping anybody else and our city needs help. The call to get in the game is a real one. And God has it for his church. We are the hope for the world. The healthy church is the hope for the world. And let me take it a step farther. There is no plan B. It has to be us. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? I want to invite you to pray a challenging prayer. And the Holy Spirit is challenging us. I want to challenge you. 
The prayer goes like this, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What is my step? What are you asking of me? Is it a financial step where I honor you with the best of what I have, with the first of what I have? To the serving step? I promise you that whatever that step is, it's gonna be a step out of comfort and into calling. It's a step to become something more than what you are. It's a step that none of us actually like until we realize that we couldn't imagine life without it. It's good for us. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Father, I pray that you would speak to every single person across this room that we would no longer be content to just hear a word and not respond to it, that we would no longer be content to, to claim to have faith, but do nothing with the faith that you've given us. Help us to become something more than what we are. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you want to be a part of our online community, connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighRidgeLV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit HighRidgeLV.com give. We appreciate your support and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week and we will see you next time.